Hi, welcome back to Rate That Album, a back-and-forth album review between myself, Joe Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muad'Dib. How you doing, Paul? Fuck you. <laughs> well, fuck Paul, you. <laughs> you're not alone, because we have a guest today. Uh, the ying to my yang, the john to my yoko, we got Joe Brown with us for this week's review. I'm excited. I picked an album so bad, I had to drag both of my best friends into the muck with me. Yeah, I'm going to second Paul on that one. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, and and, uh, uh, Mr. Brown, he tried to blame me for this monstrosity. He's like, hey, you picked the wrong one on my wheel. You're the one that had it on your list, Mr. Joe. Yeah, but I didn't pick it. <laughs> yeah, he told me about his whole wheel plan. I, I tried pushing him before to try to make you guys uh, review Technical Ecstasy by Black Sabbath, which I think at least would have been much more tolerable than this. But no, he he has to go full. Uh, he has to go for the jugular. So forbidden is what we get. Yeah, well, Technical Ecstasy isn't a terrible Black Sabbath album. It's just a weird one. I had to go with a terrible Black Sabbath album. Uh, so before we begin, what do either of you know about Forbidden by Black Sabbath? Their 1995 would have been their last, the last official Black Sabbath album until uh, the reunion with Ozzy and the album 13 years and years later. Um, I'll start. I knew nothing about this album. I didn't even know it existed. It was completely off my radar. I don't know about you, Joe. Yeah, I, I had heard it was terrible. I'd never listened to it. The only thing I knew it for was the album cover that looks like a villain straight out of Castlevania. But other than that, I knew <laughs> nothing of this. Can we say that album cover also looks like it was done in Microsoft Paint? Yeah, I've seen better Microsoft six. Paint. It's very 8-bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very bad. So I'm going to get us a little into this going because... Back in 1995, Black Sabbath was far from what they were in the 70s and hell, even the 80s with Ronnie James Dio, an era that I personally happen to really enjoy. Uh, In 1995, there's only one original member of Black Sabbath, the band that gave us, you know, War Pigs, Snowblind, Paranoid, you name it. They were awesome in the 70s and 80s. Now they are Jay, basically Tony Iommi and his gaggle of chuckleheads. Um, <laughs> Tony Iommi is the original guitarist of Black Sabbath. And joining him in the 90s is, on vocals, Tony Martin. Never heard of him. Cozy Powell on drums. Never heard of him. Neil Murray on bass. Never heard of him. And Jeff Nichols on keyboards. Never heard of them. And then for this album, an additional musician by Ice T. Painfully aware of them. <laughs> so this album comes it comes about uh, with. Let me get to the the producer. The producer is the guitarist from from Body Count, Ice T's hardcore band. A guy named Ernie C. This uh, And at this time, Black Sabbath is on the label IRS. And if you know anything about music and bands and labels, uh, IRS start one of those great starts. And But by 95, you do not want to be on that label. Uh, Black Sabbath is on this label. They somehow bypassed the great era of metal of the 1980s, which always confuses me considering Ozzy's the reigning champ of the decade so let me just start by saying going into Forbidden it's a contractual obligation album and I don't know if you guys noticed it but this is an album that was recorded only in 10 days and I was downright shocked because it felt like it was recorded in five Five hours, or because I believe five, that. Yeah, 
this album is mixed so bad, it felt like a demo album to me. I I thought of this as like you said, I I read that it was uh you know basically trying to finish out a contract, so essentially then the original Black Sabbath lineup could you know finally you know reunite. I think they did it for like Live Aid and maybe a couple other times in the eighties, but you know, full fledged reunion would be the way to go. Uh, yeah, this definitely felt like, uh, like, uh, let's just get this over with. Like, it's the same reaction you'd have to like a racist uncle coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I have to piggyback on that. Like, there's no question that the production value. I mean, when you look at it, it's 1995, and you look at what they did in the 70s and the production, the production value of that compared to what it was 20 years later. And this is worse, says something. Yeah. And the person, it is a contract album, and it was to get them out of IRS so they could reunite with Ozzy Osbourne and make buckets of money. The person who was unaware of that until it was way too late was their singer, Tony Martin, who uh, said that the, the song sounded a lot better in rehearsal. And once it started to get going, he realized they were already planning a reunion with Ozzy, which uh, as a singer, I'd imagine that's, well, let's just say that's just a shitty thing to do to somebody. Yeah, agreed. They should have at least let him know. But at the same time, I could, I mean, there's been some shitty stories about um, Tony Iommi over the years, uh, not being the, the nicest person in the world when it comes to shit like that. So I, am I, am I surprised? No. Yeah. And Tony Iommi is also like one of history's greatest revisionists when it comes to black Sabbath. Uh, here's and and the perfect example of this is he's still touting a remix of this album is going to be coming out and he wants to do like reissues of the Tony Martin era. I have no idea why anybody would want that. They have like maybe one good song with Tony Martin and Brown through that. That may, what was that? Headless cross. The song headless cross. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. And you, it, yeah. You told me when I said it was like the one good song, he's like, well, good's kind of an overstatement. It's <laughs> listenable. Yeah. It's serviceable. Uh, so yeah. So he's like, and he's in interviews. He's like, yeah, you know, I, did, I wasn't too happy with the mix. This album was just a big, we got to get the fuck out of this, this record deal and move on to like our, you know, playing Ozfest and making money instead of just being Tony Iommi and a bunch of guys making albums under the black Sabbath title. Uh, he's also has gone on record saying paranoid was originally like a filler song. Uh, why would you name your second album after a filler song? See, shit like that with Tony Iommi, I take with a grain of salt. He's just historically tells these yarns that make absolutely no sense. I had heard that same story that Paranoid was a filler song, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, you, you named your album after a filler song? Well, just name it Fairies Wear Boots then. I mean, that's anything. That was a filler song on that album. Right. Well, I, if I remember correctly, I thought they were going to name the second album uh, War Pigs, and then that didn't go through. So I don't know if that was. They had the filler song like that, but. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. If you're going to call like one of your most rocking songs a filler, it just, it just seems like he's trying to make this mystique about the song where they're probably all like yeah this is a kick-ass song when they're making it and uh so getting back to uh forbidden this uh album also raised concerns amongst the fan of this era i i I'm, i struggle to find plural <laughs> uh, well, when you read the wikipedia that like modern reviewers wouldn't even touch this album you know it's not like yeah. you know highly thought of by anyone yeah, and it raised concerns because it's being produced by these hip-hop people, and they thought it was going to be Rap Sabbath, uh, which, honestly, it would probably sound a lot better than what we got here. Well, we the, get some of that in the first track, though, so yeah, it, it, it didn't turn out well. No, and it, it felt like Ice-T was in the studio, and he just started talking, and they're like, yeah, let's put that on the album. <laughs> yeah, this was a... This was a 
all around just a bad idea. And you know your album is bad when the one person who gives lighter praise, according to Wikipedia, is Rob Zombie. So <laughs> there you go, gentlemen. This was a, a completely... Uh, this is just a contract album. Uh, they fuck over their vocalist. Well, I can't really say they. Tony Iommi fucks over his vocalist. And now he's threatening us with a reissue of this album, which makes me feel very attacked. So back to the fan uh, of this. I, I, I was looking up YouTube um, comments on it. And it's like the same people. <laughs> that like go through like the different songs like it's the exact same people and one i have to tell you one of the comments is this album is cool i listen to it all the time i will buy the readmaster version when tomiomi is ready to re-release it i always like tony martin singing and like that's that particular thing is on like five different songs <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> yeah the, honestly when i once i was getting it it deep into this album, it made me feel like this was like like a demo record made by a Van Halen, Sammy Hagar era tribute band. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I compared it to a demo of um, Cheap Trick. No, man. Cheap Trick had talent. Yeah, I, I understand Cheap Trick had talent, but I this is like, They this understood is sound structure. <laughs> they understood melody they understood not putting nice tea these random babblings on a track and they put them on for like two like not even a full verse they put them on for like that that was the most confusing thing to me if i hadn't known it was iced tea i wouldn't have known it was iced tea like you have iced tea he must have just done it for like a 500 hundred dollar paycheck like just came in if this was done in like, as you said, 10 days, they had him come in for like 15 minutes, do one verse and leave. Well, according to Tony Martin, they were unsure like how much of his stuff was going to be used. Cause when there was a point during the making of this album that they were, it was teetering on the fact it could be an iced tea with black Sabbath album. Oh dear oh. God. Yeah. Oh. According to an uh, article I found loud on Loudwire. That's kind of like where he was at. He was really unsure even how much of his stuff was going to be used, which is another, uh, I guess the label is leaning in with the hip hop, you know, body count was huge. I mean, Charlton Heston was throwing down their fire lyrics <laughs> at NRA meetings. Oh, God damn it. So you're telling me that in some universe there exists a Black Sabbath Ice tea uh, album. And if that universe exists, there's somehow a darker universe than the one we're currently living. <laughs> I thought we had a really bad one here. Yeah, there's another one with an Ice T Black Sabbath power mashup. I mean, we already have a universe where we have uh, Tony Martin. Basically, he's like a Hydrox David Coverdale, already huh? doing some rapping. And these first two tracks, I mean, I don't uh... know how much darker we can get. <laughs> Yeah, so let's start talking about the album because it's it, Paul and I were talking like when I first brought it up that we're doing this, and he listened to it and he's like, I listened to it like six times, I don't remember a thing. And I thought like, he was exaggerating. No, I've listened to this like 10 times and I barely can tell the difference between the songs until it gets to like uh, the power ballad, which I think might be I Won't Cry For You. I don't know. I had to listen on YouTube because streaming services, for some reason, don't carry this album. Yeah, I, I will say it's I've listened to it, I, I, I mean, beyond 12 times. I mean, I know for sure it was at least 12. I, if I had to guess, it would be something along the lines like 14, 16 times. I still it's so forgettable. Like this is, I think that's like the biggest thing about it is I still couldn't tell you like, like verses just leave my head. Like the melodies just leave my head. It's really, truly a forgettable album, at least in my mind. Well, it's worse than forgettable. It's, it's really bad and forgettable. And when you're sitting through it, it's not a pleasant experience. Brown was, he called me while he was driving, listening to this album. <laughs> Yeah, I listened to it twice, so I feel like I just have more self-respect uh, 
than you guys do for <laughs> going well, through this so many Saint times. Ten, we listen to Saint Anger ten times for our review of that. We're, we're masochists. Yeah, yeah. I, I should absolutely. mention that you know the sidetrack there. I saw Metallica in two thousand three. I think it was like or whenever Saint Anger came out, like a couple months afterwards, they played at the Metrodome, and. You know, it's an indictment on that album when I think they only played one track off of it when it was two months old. <laughs> oh, no shit. Really? I was going to say, I was going to ask you if they just had the fucking tin drum going. No, it, well, acoustics aside from the Metrodome, because they were horse shit, uh, it didn't sound bad live. I think they played Frantic. Yeah, that's like the only album, a song from that album I think they continue to play. Jesus Christ. But, you guys are right about this album being just kind of forgettable and like the only things that really stuck with me are like wait i've heard these guitarists before because i mean tony aoyomi uh you know one of the best riff guys that's ever been around in rock and roll we'll probably put him with like angus young from acdc but you listen to like all these songs it's like this sounds awfully similar to what you've done before which just kind of adds to like the aura of laziness to this whole thing yeah so I like draw, go ahead i was gonna say like the first track uh the illusion of power it's it's basically the tritone that they have for the song black sabbath uh i think it was a uh, can't get close enough sounds like the opening to spiral architect um hell at one point for i won't cry for you just sounds like they lifted ozzy from using like the opening riff for if i close my eyes forever yeah, uh, th- I'm glad you also brought that up because that was one of the things I was thinking. I'm like, you know, I'm listening to Black Sabbath. I'm not a deep, deep Black Sabbath guy, but I felt the same thing. I'm like, these feel like this is recycled stuff that they've gone through. Um, I know I've heard this before, but it's way less interesting. And the mixing and the the talk singing on it is bullshit. Yeah, it's just a weird flow from a band who... You know, it's put out so many classics and knows better. Uh, you know, there's a there's a few times where like the riffs are okay in this, and it sounds uh, sonically like you would expect like a DOL uh, era album to listen to. It doesn't sound like any sort of Aussie stuff that they ever put out in the '70s, but there's definitely hints of some of the Dio stuff. But it's just everything just feels like it's been done before. It was just kind of like a lazier version of it. Yeah. Also, I'll also add to the laziness of it too, where I think like five of the songs fade out. Maybe that's a little nitpicky, but you know, when you have five songs on an album and you just fade out, it's just like okay, they just didn't know how to finish this song. So, <laughs> Brown, that's <laughs> half the album. It's only ten tracks long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, they just want to create that illusion that they're still jamming jamming out once the songs end this yeah the fade out's one of the laziest and yeah and again the riffs are just recycled from better albums and it's it's so bad it doesn't even remind you you could be listening to a better black sabbath album because it doesn't even really sound like a black sabbath album it sounds like very much of the 80s and this was already the mid 90s which is another shocking thing for me yeah, this album completely ne- neglects the fact that grunge happened years ago because it sounds like s- just so much stuff ripped off from the 80s. It's like, yeah. didn't yeah. grunge like kill this brand of music, guys? Uh, yes, yes, it did. And I'm, this is this is one of the things that I think bothered me was it's, it's a 1995. The production again is terrible, and it sounds that's why I made, you know was saying it sounds like a. Uh, generic or a demo of a cheap trick or like you know one of those 80s bands that no one ever heard of granted i i know i'm saying cheap trick i'm throwing them under the bus but i um it doesn't sound like number one from the 90s doesn't sound like black sabbath it's oh the production like uh, the mixing who okayed that mixing yeah that's when i go back to, it sounds like a demo album they, they sound like it, what they recorded sounds like something they would do before going into the studio so they know what they, they want, how they want the album to sound. And it's just like, yep, that's the album. Like, this is not Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. They can't pull that off with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think to me that's, that's the, the biggest flaw to it is really 
the mixing and the production of it. I mean, I know that Tony Iommi is blowing smoke up everyone's ass when he says he's going to re-release it. There's no way. There's no way you can fix this. There is absolutely no way you can fix this. I don't even know a Sabbath completist who would even want a remix of this or a remaster or whatever. Like, and like even in that what he's talking about, he was like, maybe I'll get like um, Tony Martin back to re-record some new stuff. Like, you know, they lucked out when they did the Heaven and Hell stuff back in like 2008, 2009 with uh, Dio, because like you know Dio is a big enough name where they could do that and capitalize on it not not as much money obviously than with an aussie name but at least with dio he has a built uh, baked in audience what's the tony martin audience for for a reissue of an album that's widely considered one of the most worst one of the worst albums of all time like when i made my wheel of shit i was going through all these like various lists of lists of terrible albums and this was one of the recurring nightmares that were popping in in just about every list I looked at. Like, what is the audience? Not only at the t- when this was released, but like for a reissue, who's going to buy this? Who's going to listen to it? Yeah, and I I would say that for any of the Tony Martin stuff, like you know, obviously Dio and Ozzy are the guys, and like I know one of the albums had like the singer from Deep Purple in it, and uh, you know, Tony had the few albums there with him, and I. Except for Headless Cross, that's the only song that's ever come up with like, oh, this is actually a banger. There's been no call I've ever heard for anything else that the guy is recording. You know, hate the shit on him. He's a perfectly crumpulent singer, but, you know, this is where we're at. It was it was the low point of Sabbath. Okay, guys. Yeah. No, <clears throat> but RHM5150 on YouTube is ready to bury you by the remaster. <laughs> oh, the YouTube fans are coming after us. <laughs> oh God. Um, I like that how you said cromulent. I think it, it being an absolute cromulent album is absolutely correct way of stating it, Joe. Well, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a Joe down rate that album uh crossover unless there was a Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It it didn't yeah, I, I, there's so much. I wish I could even like elaborate more on the songs, but they all blend together. The only thing that really, the only reason why the first track stays in my mind is the random iced tea out of nowhere. That does again, like you guys mentioned, doesn't even sound like iced tea. It sounds like just some guy talking. No, I agree. I had the same reaction when I listened to that. Before that, I was just, oh, this just sounds like a shitty suicidal tendency song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, yeah, and they have a lot of shitty songs. <laughs> this was this was your this is a perfect suicidal tendencies album. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I don't understand. Like again, you go from Ozzy, who has an amazing voice, you go to Ronnie James Dio, who has an amazing voice, and you got this Tony Martin who I mean, on this album, I don't know. I mean, I, granted, it's 1995. I, I can't imagine he's still singing. I mean, he, he sounds winded. He sounds winded to the entire album. <laughs> well, maybe he's on that Axl Rose diet, you know? <laughs> or like when Axl's saying, welcome to the jungle for the first time at the MTV Music Awards, and he comes rolling out, and he's just like, you know, 50 pounds overweight, and like by the time he gets to the mic, he's just winded singing singing a song that was popular 30 years before oh is that like the disaster in rio oh god i don't know <laughs> <laughs> him in the raincoat <laughs> yeah it's yeah again like it, like i'm sure he's a better vocalist but these sound like he did the one first take and tony's like yep that's good you nailed it like what I'll give it another well, shot. It, it was, no, no, no. We got it. We got it. Well, then it was weird, too, because he's the main lyricist on this as well. And uh, typically for Sabbath, Geezer Butler was the guy who was doing the bulk of uh, the lyrics, where Tony Iommi was more of uh, the composer of the songs. And, I mean, it just sounds like Tony Martin was just kind of going through, like, a relationship where he's just being, like, emotionally neglected. I mean, you look at the lyrics for all these songs. Most of them are just, like... You know, you don't see me, uh, you know, basically pay attention to me. It was just really like cry middle school emo lyrics. 
which is not it, a Black Sabbath thing when it's like, you know, songs about like war pigs and doing piles of drugs, whether that's marijuana or cocaine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it sounds like a breakup album is what it sounds like. I mean, I, OK, let me let me I want I'm glad you brought lyrics because I pulled up lyrics for this thing, even the illusion of power. I can get the emotional thing in my head, uh, straight in my head. Everything I love dies too soon or is already dead. Don't stand too close. I spit and breathe fire. Anything I got now, you can't, de- you cannot desire. Uh, the fuck? <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I had it written down for shaking off the chains where it's, what do you know? A face appears at the window, tapping on the window, the window of your soul. Like, fucking get over your middle school English class, you fucking idiot. Well, and and then you got Rusty Angel, right? Like, what? Okay, first of all, what the fuck's a Rusty Angel? Who came up with that? And uh, whoever had listened to Livewire by Motley Crue, because that's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like to start. <laughs> the light is always shining, but you swear that it's gone black. The tide is always turning, but you're never looking back. Oh, oh, dude, come on. That's that is eighth grade poetry right there. You emo little bastard. <laughs> yeah, the this song is just like I was saying before, like it sounds like a Motley Crue song, you know, five years after grunge came out. Like you're going the complete opposite direction here, guys. Yeah, I feel like that they that they missed out on the 80s and so they were trying to make up for it here, maybe. But oh oh boy. Well, and it's it's sad to see because it was what, like three, four years before this, they came out with Dehumanizer, which was a Dio album, granted, but that was a really good album. Like they're capable of doing this and just this is so fucking phoned in. It's just it's aggravating. <laughs> yeah. And I should also say it. You know, like there's uh, on this album, Tony Iommi was the only, uh, you know, Sabbath. There was like album. I, I forget what the album was in the uh, 80s, but Geezer was on an Aussie album. <laughs> so tell you just how much people like Tony Iommi with this shit. Well, then speaking of Geezer, one of the thing of all the forgettable things in this album, the one that always stood out to me was just the lack of rhythm section really going on with anything. There's no notable bass lines or anything that go on. Usually you're good for that for geezer. Uh, just seems like the drumming is just drum, 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 cymbal, drum, 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 cymbal. It's the same fucking beat for like the first three songs and just no character or anything. The only thing that seems like any creativity is being flown is the occasional Iomi riff. And even that's phoned in. I, I was going to say, even that's phoned in. That's yeah. I'm glad you brought because one of the things I can't remember what track it was, but at one point the drums go double time, and I was actually excited. I was like, "Oh, ooh, the drums did something." <laughs> yeah, the only the only drum part I could remember was the opening to "Sick and Tired," which is you know more plagiarism. It sounds like the beginning of "Painkiller" by Judas Priest. <laughs> oh. Again, bringing up better albums. Yeah. Yeah, this this album is a stark reminder that you can be doing a lot more with 45 minutes of your life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Considering I listened to this, like, numerous times. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, no, considering that well. we've been doing the Joedown for, like, six years, we already know you waste your time framing. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, oh God. What else? Is there anything else we can add to this horseshit album? I I mean, I feel like we're kicking a man when he's down, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the biggest positive of it is it's finite running time. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed when it was over. Exactly. When it ended, I was like, "Ah, I'm happy now. I felt like they tried to do something with it. And like, because the, the opening of the first song and the opening of the last song is the exact same guitar. I don't know if you guys caught that. And I felt like they're like, Oh, well, they're going to try and make, make this cool book, anything. And it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't fucking work. Out like everything else in this fucking album. (laughs) 
Like I, I, I will say I, I really believe that in a week from now, I listen to this thing. Like I said, at least at least twelve times. I lost count um after twelve. Um I'm not going to remember this in a week. I'm really not. For me, I would have loved to have been like if you were working at the record store. I know you brought this up with the St. Anger review of, you know, people who just listen to the album for like 20 minutes and then book it over to CD warehouse to return it. I would have <laughs> loved to have seen that happen with this album, but then I remember that no one bought it. So I don't think yeah. that would have been a problem. This album seems to me like, so back in like the mid to late nineties, if you went to like a place like media play or circuit city, which are all now defunct by the way, but uh, they'd have these cutout bins and there'd be like these kind of Black Sabbath albums in there, and I would always look at it and I'd just be like, "But you're a dumb kid. You're not entirely sure if it's like an Aussie or because the internet wasn't really much back then." But I just always knew in my bones, like I'd better not buy this for four ninety nine, and I'm glad I didn't. And speaking of no one buying it, if I correct, if I if, uh, if I'm wrong. But I believe the thing only sold twelve thousand albums when it debuted. But I'm that actually shocked. High. There's twelve thousand people who own this. <laughs> no one I knew owned it. Oh, that's that's depressing. There's there's people out there with a physical copy of it. Poof! Holy shit! Yeesh. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, this was. Joe, I think of all the things that we've done, this is probably the most egregious. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> you shouldn't have picked it, Paul. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Look, I'll own Tommy the motion picture soundtrack, but I ain't owning this. <laughs> oh, this is all you, buddy. <laughs> you had to pick that number, didn't you? <laughs> Paul, what's, what's the lever of anger you had from this album from zero to Fremming's reaction to Lindsey Buckingham? Oh God, I I would put this, I mean, I would put this at an eight. The the thing with it was, especially the first time I listened to it, I was really, really fucking angry. And then like 15 minutes later, it was out of my head. I couldn't remember anything about it, Joe. And then, so I listened to it again and then I got angry. And then it was like, again, a half hour later, I didn't remember anything. So as I started listening going on, I'm like, well, I'm not going to remember any of this, which sucks because i really want to bring up stuff about it on the on the on, on the podcast but i can't remember anything about this goddamn album yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's pretty bad even like when they slow it down with an acoustic number and usually those are the things that like pop out to me at least not at this time that one just blended right into the rest of the bullshit yeah i mean compared to saint anger I think St. Anger had me angrier on the Lindsey Buckingham scale um, just because that was so obnoxious where this is okay. You know, I was talking about movies. Um, the worst thing a bad movie can be is boring, right? That's like, I mean, you can have a good, bad movie, but a boring, bad movie is really the worst thing. And like, that's what this is. This is a, just a really fucking boring album. I'd agree with that 100. percent Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, Paul, guilty as hell. I'm I won't cry for you because I'm sick and tired of talking about this album. <laughs> one one last thing I will say, I think it's well, well, get, <laughs> get, get a grip, Paul. Get a grip. Gotta get a grip. Um, yeah, see, that, that's one thing I remember was get a grip. Um. <laughs> Is uh, if this had came out like in 1983, 84, uh, honestly, I think it would have been serviceable. It would have came out and been like, you know, one of those things. Um, but coming out in 1995 and it coming from, again, Black Sabbath um, is is something that I think is the bigger problem. Um, if this had been like a Cinderella album or like a Warren album, you'd be like, yeah, we, it's expected. We expect it from them. But as Joe, as you said, both of you have said, uh, uh, Black Sabbath is one of those bands that you expect more from. And in 1995, I mean, Ozzy had put out some really great stuff, solo stuff. And fuck this album. Fuck it. 
Well, that's also the elephant in the room is uh, his success just fucking uh, kind of, I don't know. I think it shattered these guys' confidence, or at least Iomi's. Like, they fire the guy expecting he's going to drink and drug himself to death, which he almost does. And then comes out like 81 with Blizzard of Oz and like fucking tops just about everything they've done <laughs> to that point. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they're just. He musically cucked his ex bandmates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that this album exists just so I can appreciate the Dio era even more so. And I'm just glad that, you know, Black Sabbath decided to just run an album and a tour with him uh, under the under the banner of heaven and hell instead of black Sabbath. So at least that era of that band could at least get their flowers. Cause then you just listen to shit like this and it's just like, wow, well, it's glad. Uh, at least they had two parts of their careers where they were badass, and the rest of it was just dog shit that we don't need to listen to with bad cover art and bad everything. Yeah. yeah this is, this is the album that I never needed to listen to, but you did. You needed to hear it. You just fucker. You <laughs> fuck stick. <laughs> so, gentlemen, <clears throat> great Black Sabbath album or the greatest Black Sabbath album? <laughs> I'd rather listen to the one that has the weird baby image on it. I think that was Born Again. By the way, fuck this. <laughs> that album. was a Tony Martin one, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that might have been the one with the Deep Purple singer. Oh, jeez. Jesus Christ! Like, yes, that was one of the Gillen in it. You're just throwing around singers at some point. Just interchange them. Yeah, that was the album with Ian Gillen on it. Oh, it was all bad. I yeah, I uh, so far on the on on our on our thing, this is up this this is up there with some of the worst stuff we've listened to, and I I know people are gonna sit back and say it's really not as bad as X Y Z. No, it is. It is because it's it, it it it's it's egregious on every level. It's egregious on a production level. It's egregious on a vocal level. It's boring and uh, you know brought up as plagiarism. It sounds like everything else that out that's out there. Like when you really put it all together, this creates every single fucking cardinal sin. You know, we can still sit back and laugh at what happened, like Jack Nicholson on fucking Tommy. Ha 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 ha! I can't laugh at this. <laughs> yeah and it, again and the people who defend it uh, i feel like they purposely overlook the fact that they did it in 10 days just to get out of a basically to get out of a contract to move on to better things with ozzy osbourne without telling their singer that shit like there's so many fuck yous on this <laughs> on this album and so many different levels of it yeah, well, and again, you get you get things where people say the '90s was a really strange decade in which so many great metal albums were pushed aside and fairly criticized for no particular reason. This is one of them by Heathen Dance on YouTube. <laughs> oh, Heathen! I mean, Dance. you you always have you know the 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 um the defenders. You always have the defenders, but the truth is, you're right. There's no defending this album. Well, we'll have to wait until Iomi does the reissue of it with bonus tracks. You guys excited okay. for the bonus tracks? Maybe we'll have to go back to this when the bonus bonus tracks are. Is it going to be Ice T tracks? Oh God, I don't even think they got far enough to make the Ice T collab actually a thing. You know, that's the thing too. I, I, I mean, can they do a re? I mean, I'm wondering if that's why Tony just hasn't done it because. They only got 10 days worth of recording. I mean, there's not much to work with. Well, the the interview only says they record new tracks with them. And that's kind of like what they did with Dio with the Heaven and Hell uh, reissues. They recorded some new songs with him under the under the title, though, Heaven and Hell. They didn't call it Black Sabbath. They could call yeah. this new version Forbidden. Oh, God. Or maybe Rusty Angels. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> At least Kiss of Death was a very apropos final song title just so we could end this fucking thing. Oh, God. The one that clocks in at six minutes. <laughs> God damn it. 
<laughs> we're just gonna prolong your misery. I'm surprised they didn't go with an Indagata de Vida. Like, <laughs> well, don't give them ideas for the re-release, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll get the nine-minute version of fucking Forbidden of um, Illusion of Power. <laughs> oh God. Do a, a thriller breakdown like Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> oh God! So, gentlemen, do we recommend this album? <laughs> No. <laughs> um, if you hate life and you know you're you're done, you're you're just done. You're just done with life. Sure, listen to this album because you're gonna feel better about yourself because you didn't be because you didn't put this out. Yeah, only listen, listen to this album if you just want to hear the death rattle of one of the greatest metal bands of all time. <laughs> only to be revived by their former frontman who. Infinitely more successful than they ever got to be. Well, yeah. I mean, Tony Martin's the Gary Sharon of the uh, Black Sabbath, uh, you know, anthology. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least we didn't have to sit through a video of them, like, in, like, an ice castle like we did with Eddie and Gary (laughs) Sharon. Oh, God. Oh, man. I, you know... Now it makes me wonder if they put out a fucking... No, they didn't. I know they didn't, because I looked for it. They didn't put out any fucking music videos for this one. So that's one... I guess that's a good thing. That's a good thing we got. Yeah, this was... <laughs> I mean, when your album is so bad that you can only stream it on a YouTube fan video that puts put up. Oh, IRS is missing out on them clicks. The oh. streams. Well, now that I brought it up, now I'm just waiting for you guys to review that uh gary sharon van halen album oh it's on the wheel of shit brown (laughs) it's gonna gonna happen we're gonna get there we're getting there we're gonna get there no don't you worry so a lot of albums out there there's an edgar winter scientology album we'll get to at some point oh Oh, sweet jesus yeah and a blue is truly a monster (laughs) blue oyster cult did a scientology album too oh goody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah paul i've been researching <laughs> now, now uh, you and brown can brown can start your therapy group <laughs> you know I, I used to think you were a monster for picking albums but now i see how you do it on the musical front you're you're just a monster <laughs> There's, and then and then, and then you blame me you blame me you gaslit me and then being like yep you picked it yeah you did though. <laughs> I didn't pick it. You picked it. You monster. <laughs> You're trying to put the blame on me, Paul. You're the one who picked the number. Not God me. damn it. Joe okay, Joe, would you recommend it? No. God, no. Fuck no. <laughs> this was it, it, it it's egregious and it's how boring it is. It's egregious and how it's not even mixed. It's not even produced. It, it sounds like a demo. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor Tony Martin. His vocals are all over the map because I think he only got one take. That was something that I, uh, you know, when I, when I was listening to it, I was like, God, he's he's all over the place. Like he, again, he sounds winded. He sounds whatever. Um, and knowing now that yeah, you're right. He probably got one take. I feel bad. Like I feel bad for the guy. Like I, like legitimately feel bad for him. Yeah, I, I kind of do, too. I'll look into it. He might be like a weird anti-vaxxer where I'll, I'll, I'll feel like, yeah, he kind of deserved this one. But <laughs> until that, I find that evidence, yeah, I, I'll feel a little sympathy for him, especially with the whole they're reforming with Ozzy and not telling him about it. That's a real dick move. I think if you're going on the sons of bitch complex, like scale for this band, Tony Iommi's probably number one just for allowing Black Sabbath to play apartheid era South Africa. <laughs> Compared to that, I think Tony Martin's okay. Yeah, he's the Tony Banks of the group. Oh, Tony Banks is awesome, though. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, he's, not. he's a fucking He's the asshole. biggest asshole in Genesis. It's great. He hates everything. <laughs> Thinks he's more talented than Peter Gabriel. I mean, that's some hubris right there. <laughs> He thinks he's he thinks he's more talented than fucking Phil Collins, because remember, they put out an album without him. 
that's on a list I got. Not the wheel of shit, but that's on a list. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's on a. Uh, we will. I was going to put that one out there too. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. We're we're just miserable pricks, Paul. We're just making each other listen to shit albums week after week. Hey, you know what, man? Drill Brown do it too, which brings me infinite joy. (laughs) Such a son of a bitch. (laughs) Since I got you both here, what can we expect in the next upcoming Joe Downs? Uh, We got Judge Dredd coming out. Uh, which is a... The 94 one, not the remake that I've heard good things about. We're We're going sly, baby. Yeah, I watched the first half hour of it today. It, it's really, it's really, uh, it, it's a Republican wet dream movie. <laughs> it's, I don't remember <laughs> it being that pro. Like, uh, is it is it more pro Republican than Con Air was? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like they're they're like bootlicker police. Pe- yeah, it's fucking weird, man. Like, oh, I don't it's remember. a very Republican out uh, movie. Yeah. I just like that when I told him uh, that was the movie we were going with, Fremming just like, wait, wait, haven't we done that before? No, you were thinking <laughs> Demolition Man. It's like, oh, uh, wait, wait th- th- this is part of the catalog of the Sly Stallone Rob Schneider vehicles? Yeah, it was a juggernaut in the mid-90s. The <laughs> Sly, oh. the Slyanator, Slyrama. <laughs> before Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, there were Sly Stallone oh. and Rob Schneider. <laughs> God damn it. Or, or Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Yeah. Uh, I am the law. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that is something. Yeah. So and then got, what do we, we have got, after that one framing? Uh what did I pick? Oh, Steel. The the, oh. the Steel O'Neill Superman. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> okay, you are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Fra- frankly it's stunning that we've taken six years to get to a shack movie oh my god jesus christ yeah that's Ooh, that's a fucking doozy <laughs> i like the steel comic book character i thought he was engaging uh, the com- that, that bullshit death of superman shit where all of a sudden there's seven supermen the only one yeah. I liked was the guy who has no chance in hell of being Superman. He was great in that. I, I, will, I will say that. That was a great character in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really hope Shaquille O'Neal does that justice. <laughs> I feel like this is a segue to Paul picking a Shaquille O'Neal album. <laughs> Speaking of which, Paul, what do we got coming up next? All right. Well, you you got your wheel of shit. And I have my own thing. We've already dip, dipped into it a little bit, but I have a penchant for um, actors and celebrities that put up music albums that have no business putting out music albums. Um, it's just a thing. If, if an actor or a celebrity that's not a musician puts out an album, I have to have it. And I'm going to put you through William Shatner's 2011 album, Seeking Major Tom. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even God, I was, I was closer on the shack thing than I thought it would be. You're much oh, you closer to Shaq. You didn't even pick the, the Ben Folds produced one. <laughs> no, the Ben Folds produced one was actually a better of the two, so you're welcome. <laughs> oh you'll pay don't think you won't pay <laughs> i i already paid buddy now it's your turn oh all right all right yep william shatner seeking major tom with all covers including his rendition of bohemian rhapsody well you know he's he's got the he can hit all those octaves man he's got a voice of an angel <laughs> and Space Pal Cowboy with Brad Paisley. <laughs> oh my god, god I'm, I'm glad this is a one-off for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want in on this, Brown? <laughs> I will politely decline. <laughs> uh, but it's got such such classics like Space Truckin'. <laughs> space, isn't that a deep purple song? <laughs> it, it's all covers, buddy. It's all covers. Oh, God. Do they do anything from Forbidden? 
we could only be so lucky. Um, yeah, you, <laughs> but there is Iron Man with Zach Wild. Wow. I'm at a loss. Yeah, yeah I, so, I don't know. I don't think I can add anything to that. Oh, dude. Uh, well, I, you just wait till you hear the Bootsy track. <clears throat> oh, God. I'm so angry. You know, I didn't drink alcohol during this. Now I feel like I need to. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a stiff drink after this one. This is <laughs> this was rough. Son this was rough. <laughs> you can go far. I will go one step farther, sir. Oh, I can go further, Paul. You God know, damn you! <laughs> you know I can. I know you Mass can. That's Brown, I can. I can, I can rain down horror. <laughs> Paul, there is no limits to his tyranny. <laughs> God, I know. I feel bad. I've looked at some of the Joe downs. I go, really? <laughs> I, are we out of Twilight movies, or is there still like one more left? Oh, there's there? one left in my back pocket, Brown. Oh, God, you know, guys, even I haven't suffered through those. Oh, yeah. there's like Joe down canon to that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's so brutal. That's so brutal, you guys. Glittery vampires and mouth-breathing Kristen Stewart. Just... I think you've said it enough times on this podcast, Paul. Uh, the things we do for our art. The things we do for our art. That's Yes, we've said that numerous times. The things we put ourselves through. All right. Well, Paul, you want to take us out? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>